It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, May 6th, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. The State Department of Health reported 69 new coronavirus cases in Sitka over the last week. Sitka began seeing an uptick in cases in mid-April. The new cases span from April 26th to May 3rd. There was a slight decrease in the number of cases from the week before last, but the weekly case rate is still higher than case counts reported throughout March. No new hospitalizations were reported by the state. On Thursday, the Centers for Disease Control reported that Sitka's risk level remains at medium. To date, 2,640 coronavirus cases have been reported in Sitka. 29 hospitalizations and 6 deaths. Spring has arrived in southeast Alaska and with it an abundance of tender roots, leaves, and shoots ripe for the harvest. But as many gear up to fill their plates with the wild foods of the Tongass, it's important they understand how to harvest sustainably. Last month, two indigenous plant experts visited Sitka to share their knowledge with harvesters gearing up for the spring season. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. It's a brisk and beautiful April morning when I arrive at Mosquito Cove. I join a group of roughly 15 people gathered in the parking lot. They've come for the last day of a six-part traditional food and medicine class, and they're eager to get on the trail. Um, my clinket uh, name is Kase, and uh, my name is Naomi Michelson, and I've, I live in Ketchikan. I'm Wishkitan Eagle from the Shark House from Berners Bay, which is just outside of Juneau. And in the Shiga language, my name is Yeh, or Cute Little Raven. In English, my name is Vivian Mork, and I'm from the Raven Moiety. I am Tukdain Tong, and I'm a child of the Tequedi, or the Brown Bear people, and a grandchild of the Kaguan Tong, or the Wolf people. After being led in a traditional Clinket introduction, the group follows their teachers into the woods. How many people have eaten wild celery before? Any of you? How many of you have How many of you have had a rash from wild celery that was awful and makes you go, "Why did she just ask me if I want to eat it?" <laughs> That's traditional food specialist Vivian Mark, one of two Clinket educators who've come to share their traditional knowledge with the community. She says while there's countless methods out there, there's no one-size-fits-all technique to prevent over-harvesting. You're going to hear some people say harvest one in four, one in eight, one in two, 10% of something, 20% of something, 30% of something. But for indigenous people and indigenous knowledge systems, it's more important to learn each plant or thing that you're harvesting individually. While the class presented an opportunity for people to explore what edibles they can harvest from the understory, many, like attendee Alex McCarroll, hoped to learn more about how to harvest. I used to work at a plant nursery, so I know a lot about the garden side of plants, but I don't know much about plants in the wild as much, and so I'm really interested in learning more about sustainable harvesting. As wild food harvesting becomes more widespread in southeast and beyond, Mork says the topic of sustainable harvesting is more important than ever, and passing on traditional knowledge is an integral part of that. I believe that one of the ways that we steward our land is by perpetuating and passing down our indigenous knowledge systems of how we utilize our resources and how we share them with each other. Ethnobotanist and co-teacher Naomi Michelson echoed the sentiment, citing the loss in biodiversity she's witnessed as a result of reckless harvesting practices. 
Even in my short lifetime, I've seen many foods that aren't available anymore or it's harder to get. And so um, I'm really motivated to keep those areas uh, sacred and special and to um, passing on some of the knowledge or ideas. Class organizer Chandler O'Connell says the series was held with just that in mind. Planned as an extension of the Herringspawn celebration, or Ya'akoik, O'Connell says this time isn't just about the importance of herring, but also about strengthening connections to land and community. So the big hope with the food and medicine series was to continue that conversation about how we are all interconnected and how we can uh, take care of this place and learn from one another. So I, I think it was really successful just in that some great people got to spend time together and um, be, be outdoors and, and learn together. After a few hours exploring the forest, class members were invited to share a meal. The group incorporated their bounty of wild greens like watermelon berry shoots, wild celery, and black seaweed into a stir-fry that they enjoyed alongside licorice root tea. Sitting in the sun, with bellies full of wild food, it's not hard to see how much there is to protect. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. Thursday was Missing and Murdered Indigenous Persons Awareness Day. A group gathered along Egan Drive in Juneau yesterday morning. Some held signs that said Indigenous Lives Matter and Break the Cycle and the Violence with hashtags Not Forgotten and MMIP. Jenny Brown is a behavioral health aide at Central Council of Clinket and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska and an MMIP advocate. We are at the wetlands in Juneau at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> and we're out here for um, Missing and Murdered Indigenous Awareness Day. She's here for personal reasons too. Her cousin Linda has been missing since 2016. Jamie Ann Siaklin Hasselquist works for Central Council's Department of Public Safety. She explains the significance of the red handprints painted on some supporters' faces. The red handprint is uh, signifies that we won't be silent anymore. And it's also believed that red is the color that the spirits can see. And so when we wear red, we're uh, calling them and, and they can hear us and, and know that um, we're still looking for them. We haven't forgotten them. In the afternoon, supporters gathered at the Capitol and marched to Elizabeth Parachevich Hall. There, a lineup of speakers addressed the marchers, including Ann Sears, Alaska's new statewide investigator for missing Indigenous persons. Tourist season is beginning in southeast Alaska, which means around a half million people will likely be hoping to see whales. Residents also look forward to encounters out on the water, but sharing space with the marine giants isn't always easy. KFSK's Angela Denning reports from Petersburg. 80-year-old Mike Schwartz of Petersburg has been around whales his whole life. As a fisherman and outdoorsman, he's had many close encounters. Once, while watching a group of humpbacks bubble feeding, he ended up a little closer than he wanted. One whale started bubble feeding on the far side, and then opposite him, maybe 100 feet, another whale started bubble feeding. So the two of them bubble fed all the way into a circle. And Schwartz found his boat in the middle. It was a little bit unsettling to realize that you're inside the bubble circle. And what do I do now? And then all of a sudden they're there. They're all there. And of course the herring are squirting out of their mouth. 
Humpback whales are common in the region, even in high-traffic areas. Orcas or killer whales show up too. Schwartz remembers traveling with his wife from Ketchikan to Petersburg when they discovered they weren't alone. It was rain thick, and when everything lifted, we realized that we were in the middle of the biggest pod of killer whales we'd ever seen. We quit counting at 80, and they would come up right alongside of the boat. So what should people do? Susie Tierling says it's not always intuitive how to act around whales. She's a marine mammal specialist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It is really difficult to interpret those behaviors because all the behaviors that you might see could be occurring for lots of different reasons. The Marine Mammal Protection Act protects whales from harassment. Tierling says that can mean anything that might change their natural behavior. In 2019, NOAA issued eight on-site citations, according to the law enforcement office in Juneau. In an email, the office says they fined a tour company nearly $9,000 for dropping off paddle boarders to approach humpback whales. They fined another company nearly $4,500 for approaching killer whales head-on in a narrow pass, causing the whales to turn around and swim away. In general, though, it can be very difficult to prove wrongdoings just from complaints, Instead, NOAA likes to focus on education. Tierlink says when people encounter whales in the wild, they should remember that the animals are busy doing something, often feeding, nursing, resting, or socializing. They have an agenda. They have things they need to be doing, and it might not be visible from the surface of the water. She discourages people from trying to interpret whales' behavior. A tail slap, for example, could mean several things a sign of distress, or a form of communication within the pod. Tierlink says they may be behaving in an interesting way, but it's not for the sake of people. They aren't, as some people like to say, putting on a show. There isn't a part of their biology that is driven to perform. There isn't a show. They're not trying to pull in humans to you know, participate. It isn't for um, entertaining boats. Over 20 years ago, a rule was established in Alaska requiring whale watchers to be 100 yards from humpback whales. Tierlink says it's a good practice for all marine mammals. But sometimes, judging proximity is hard. Whales can swim underwater and surface near a boat, something that Mike Schwartz knows all too well. And for him, it's often unforgettable and emotional. For me, it's a deeply, deeply spiritual experience. And uh, uh, it's hard to put into words. Whales are intriguing for residents, tourists, and tour guides alike. Tierlink says one thing that could benefit tour companies is signing up for the Whale Sense program. It promotes stewardship and education for responsible whale watching. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.